0: Um, Pray together and fellowship together and open the Bible together. And Lord, uh, turn our hearts to you, asking that you would be gracious to us. We need your grace to be at work in our lives so that we might walk more fully in ways that would please you. And we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding as we study the passages of Scripture. And we also pray, uh, as always, for the dear flock. Around the world uh, who are listening uh, to our Sunday school class because they they cannot find a church where the Bible's taught in a manner that they need uh, to, to learn and to hear so we pray for them that you would bless them and make them feel a part of our fellowship as well. We thank you Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, we are in second Corinthians and it is verse We're on verse 10. It was interesting that uh, I went to uh, Jan's conference yesterday morning and Dr. Regan was talking about the very verses we've been studying here. (laughs) He was covering some of the material about what happens in between um, when we die and the rapture, this intermediate state. Now, he had a little different idea. Remember, we were trying to decide what that was like when we were discussing what's it like he, he says, and I don't know, he didn't really have a lot of Bible verses for this, but his theory was that, we, that there's some sort of a spiritual body that people have that's recognizable during the intermediate state. And that may be true, but then when he cited a passage that does talk about a spiritual body, it was the one that we get at the rapture. Right? In verse 15. So, that passage is the only passage I know of where it talks about a spiritual body. And that's the resurrected body that in 1 Corinthians 15. Is that about 50? Can somebody find that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, is it like 52? He had a slide and it showed perishable, imperishable. There was like three things. And then the last one was spiritual. Natural, spiritual. <laughs> I was right? What do you know? <laughs> Go ahead. Hold on here. Scott is the mic man. Well, where it talks about a spiritual body, sown, maybe it's not that verse. Perishable.
1: In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must be put on the imperishable. Is that what you want? Yeah, keep going. Uh, the imperishable and the, this mortal must put on immortality but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable this mortal will have been put on immortality then will come about the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory
0: okay is that what you wanted well there's no. one that talks about a spiritual body in there and I, I misled you by sending you to, uh, it, there's a whole extended discussion of it. we often read these at funerals did you find it Elizabeth 44 44, First 1 Corinthians fifteen, forty-four. 44. Who can read that? All right, back to Diane.
1: It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body.
0: Okay, that's the passage. But that passage is talking about it at the end when the Trump sounds, not the intermediate state. So I'm not saying I know that he's wrong, but I'm also saying I don't know that he's right. <laughs> I, I think probably the real answer is we don't exactly know. But he, he did point out that for, that, for example, when Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus, they were recognizable and that people will be recognizable. So I, th- I think maybe the reason we don't know anymore about that is we don't need to because whatever it is, we'll, it'll be when we're there. Okay. But I, I thought it was interesting that he was dealing with the topic we've been studying in Sunday school. Now, let's go to verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 It says here, "For For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So now we're learning more about the future, and judgment, and, and so on. Now, this one raises a lot of questions, and I, I'm sure it will again today, but we'll take a little uh, trip through the Bible here and try to answer as many questions as we possibly can. The first question probably be that probably this raises is, if we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, why would we be judged for deeds done in the body as Christians? Have you thought about that one? Or did I just raise it for the first time? <laughs> I just introduced a question that you wouldn't have had to worry about if I hadn't told you. Oh, you okay, you thought about it. All right. Uh, so, um, at least that's been asked me before. And we're going. what we're going to show you today by taking a little trip through the, some various scriptures is that, is that our actions do matter. Okay? And it's true that we're saved as a free gift by grace through faith. We're not saved by works. We're not sanctified by works. It's always by grace through faith. But our actions are still uh, morally significant and we still will have to give account, even as Christians. And likewise, on the converse side of it, the, the people who reject the gospel and end up lost and excluded from heaven will also be judged according to their works. And that the Bible teaches that there's degrees of reward for the saved and punishment for the lost. Now, if you think about it, if it was any other way, it would be very unacceptable. I think I'm still trying to be a little hot here on this thing. Anyhow, uh, we're gonna, we have a future ideas for this sound in here that will make it better. So uh, we're going to run it through the speaker up there so it gets it off the floor, and we think that's going to help. But that, so, so many things are going around here, one thing at a time. You know, We're, we're making progress. <laughs> we made some major progress this week. We figured out how the heating system worked with the help of a guy. <laughs> We've had it for almost a year. We don't know how the heating system worked. Last week the heat was coming on and going off through the blower, and we had no idea why. And it was getting hot in here, uh, and so we had to just turn it off. So we know now we know. Okay, what if we lived in a universe where actions didn't matter? Okay, what if it made no difference in eternity whether you lived a horrible, uh, wretched life as a murderer and a rapist, or you were a good citizen? But it really doesn't make any It's true that Hitler and Mother Teresa, well, I better, can I say Mother Teresa might end up in hell? I can't say that? Okay, it's a good thing I didn't say it then, Dick. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just... <laughs> 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 All right. Having not said that, let's say there was a... <laughs> let's say there is a really wonderful benevolent type person who was not a Christian and renounced Christianity and, but yet did all kinds of good deeds and then there was Adolf Hitler now according to what we believe the Bible teaches all the lost end up excluded from heaven and are actually in hell right so how that works I don't know but I believe that it will go better for some than for others now is there any bible verse that says that all right let's let's start looking up some bible verses let's turn to uh let's, well, here's one example matthew chapter 11 matthew 11 and and this is in the synoptics you see it several different places Look at verse uh, twenty. Look at verse twenty. Matthew eleven twenty. Matthew eleven twenty. Matthew eleven. Verse twenty. Then he began to reproach the cities in which most of his miracles were done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. It would indicate that there's distinctions on the day of judgment. More tolerable. Uh, let me let some of you read some passages. Um Okay, we'll start with... Yes, uh, Gretchen. I have a passage Romans
1: 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit.
0: Yeah, there's no condemnation, so we end up... We do not come under uh, the... Uh, see, there's two judgment seats. Okay? Now, 2 Corinthians 5 says we appear before the uh, bema bema is the greek word and it's a judicial bench that was raised where the judge would come or the tribunal would sit and uh, issue judgments or decrees now in this case it's christ now we here is talking about christians so if you look at verse 9 it says therefore have as our ambition whether at home or absent to be pleasing to him So Christians are living to be pleasing to the Lord, and the motivation for doing so is the knowledge that we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done. Okay. Now this is the judgment seat of Christ, but there's another judgment seat uh, described in the Bible that's different. Okay, And that is uh, called the great white throne. Now you find that in... Thank you for asking this, because I was getting ahead of myself. Let's just let's start by laying out the reality, the two judgment seats, and then we'll go to see if there's any degrees of judgment at those seats, as, as far as the Scripture says. Now, in Revelation 20.11, and this is after the millennium, it says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, "...from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the thrones. And the books were opened." And another book was opened, which is the book of life. "...and the dead were judged from the from the things which were written in a book, notice this, according to their deeds." All right? "...according to their deeds. And, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades... Gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged. Every one of them according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And everyone's name, and if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now it says that everybody not in the book of life is thrown in the lake of fire. But it also says they're judged according to their deeds. Now of course the most important deed, the work of God, is to believe upon Him whom the Father sent. It says in. Uh, John chapter 6, okay? But, nevertheless, we're going to look at some verses that will show us that there are degrees of both reward and punishment and that our actions matter. Now, uh, now Dale, could you look up Mark 12 and verse 40? And then Gretchen, Hebrews 10:29. I think Mark 12, and then we'll... We'll examine these passages. (laughs) So I know your name, right? (laughs) That helps. I've gotten a lot better with names since people started having them on. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Dale. Mark 1240. He's talking about scribes to beware of. And who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers these will receive greater condemnation okay yeah that's uh, that's uh, jesus's um, how would you what would you what you call it when you pronounce a woe well judgment condemnation Je- Jesus's assessment of the Pharisees he said they they devour widows pensions for under a pretense these will receive greater condemnation. So if there's greater condemnation, there must be lesser condemnation, so there has to be degrees. So the religious charlatans who, under the guise of serving God, are building their own empire, taking money from widows, and devouring widows' pensions shall have greater condemnation. And uh, there's certainly been examples of that sort of thing going on in the Christian world, as well as what he was talking about with the Pharisees. Now, in this other passage in Hebrews, we have Hebrews 10:29 that Gretchen will read.
1: Hebrews 10:29, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God under foot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace and 30 is for we know him who said vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and again the lord will judge his people
0: okay so that is saying that apostates apostates will receive even worse punishment than no under the under the new covenant than what they did when they transgressed Moses. That's in Hebrews. But I'm uh, citing that verse as proof that there are degrees of punishment. Now, how can, there, how can hell be worse and better? Well, I don't know. Maybe Dante had it figured out. I remember, remember Dante's Inferno? And, and that, that book, he, he uh, gave an account of degrees of punishment. And, but see, this is something that's not revealed in Scripture. We just know that it's real. Okay? And uh, so that's the side of it on the negative side. So those whose names are not in the last book of life, who are at the great white throne judgment told to, to depart, are going to be still judged and said in Revelation according to their deeds. So it's better to do good whoever you are. But you're never going to be saved by good works. But it's still better off if you do good than bad. Now, let's look up some more passage. James 3 and verse 1. Laura.
1: Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness.
0: Okay, teachers will be judged more strictly. So, James says, don't aspire to be a teacher because you're going to make it worse for yourself in the day of judgment. So, what am I doing this? (laughs) Okay, over here. I think that uh, what that would mean is that if you are going to teach, you should fear God about what you teach to God's people, and that's what scares me about some of the things going on in the evangelical world today. Um, I had an interesting interchange, uh, Dick. You saw it with that fellow. Uh, well, actually, I sent it to the CIC board. Did you get it, Sam? Too uh, wasn't that interesting? His pastor. It's amazing. So there's pastor is uh, reading my book, and he started emailing me before he got done with the book and asking me questions. And then he finally finishes the book, and then he, his final thing was, so why would you think Rick Warren is a Christian? Is that what he said? And, uh, and so... I, Because I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Remember in in my conclusion, I said, uh, I believe you're an evangelical, you believe what we do, so I'm calling you to repent and start preaching the gospel. Help us fight the giants. The giants aren't poverty and AIDS and and lack of education and bad leadership. The giant is God's wrath against sin. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the fact that people's own sin is going to send them to hell, that's a far worse problem than any of those. And even Jesus said it's better to go through life lame than to go into eternity hall and lost right? right, and so here's so, so my response back was now I wouldn't I don't think in fact if we republish here soon I may change the conclusion and say here here's I'm far more concerned now than I was before even more so and here's why every true teacher cares about what the truth is okay it isn't that. Some you know, people will respond back and say, well, who do, you, who do you think you are? You don't have all the truth. Are you, are you absolutely sure everything you believe and teach is absolutely the truth? I said, no, I'm not absolutely sure that everything I teach is the truth. But I care. That's, I care enough that if somebody can show me that I'm wrong, I've got to accept that and repent. And I've had to many times in my life. Okay? And uh, the, the real danger for teachers is when their own status in the eyes of other people is more important than what the truth is. Okay? So someone can publish a book, and uh, what was the passage? Uh, Sam, do you remember what, what he, he picked out a thing that I said, he talked about the key. Oh, the key to the person's heart. Yeah. That pastor said, the, the Rick Warren said, if you could find the key to somebody's heart, anybody could be made into a Christian. And his pastor said, "That's ridiculous. That's the falsest statement I think I've ever read anywhere." Uh, do you know what that's saying? That if we were just a lot smarter and we knew what people's hearts are like, we could save the whole world. Well, the Bible says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So number one, you can't know the key to somebody else's heart, because we can't even know our own heart. It's so wicked. Only God knows the heart. So that's another problem. And the other one is assuming that everybody wants to be a Christian if he just pushed the right button. No, everybody doesn't want to be a Christian. All right, now, here's my point. Don't be many teachers because you will receive stricter judgment. What is he saying? That we shouldn't have teachers in the Christian church? No, no, he's not saying that. What he's saying is if don't just... Assume you want that job for the status. It's not worth it. If all you want is status, I guarantee you, you don't want to be a teacher. Because you can't take status to the bank, I'll tell you that. And you can't take it to the final judgment either. So so status is really a waste of time because it's no good for this life and it's no good for the life to come. It's, It's a total waste of time. So somebody thinks I'm a great guy, that doesn't mean nothing. So what you should do is if you are going to be a teacher, make sure, do the work, 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 study and work and don't teach until you're quite sure you know what the passage means. And if you and if you're still unsure, teach the passage and tell people you're unsure. You can always do that because there are some passages that have been defied, uh, you know, a clear uh, for sure explanation for centuries and centuries it's, in fact, one of them that Dr. Regan quoted, I, he was absolutely sure he knew what I mean, but I don't, I don't know that he does. It was the one in Peter about uh, Jesus descending, and, he, and so he told us what that means. There's been seven different explanations for that passage, and almost every part of that passage in Peter is unknown. We don't know who the captives are. We don't know this. We don't know that. And so it's okay to teach that. But I said, well, I talked to Carl. I said, okay, how does, he, how does he absolutely know what that verse means and nobody else ever has? Uh, I'm not saying that to criticize him. I, I, he may not understand that, that passage way better than I do. But I think it's better to say this one is a little bit uncertain if it is. Okay, uh, you've been very patient. I uh, just want to know, uh, I don't know if you had it on your list of scriptures to look up or not, but I don't know if this is a judgment passage or not, but the one passage where it talks about one who gets many blows and one who gets few blows. Oh, yes. That's a good one, and I forgot about it. Can you find it? <laughs> Somebody will. Okay, that's a, that's a good passage, and that's the one I, I use. Okay, it's a parable. It's in Matthew. What's one? Okay, yeah, i have to repeat it until we get our sound system working better. He said there's a passage in the Bible where it says this this servant will get so many blows and the other one will get more blows. And it is a a parable. I think it's in Matthew 12, 13. It's a a parable about the master goes away, leaves his household in charge of uh, the servants, and then... This one did this, this one did that, and, and, and they, were, they weren't good stewards of the household. And then when he comes back, this one gets so many blows, the punishment is meted out according to how bad they were. I didn't have it on my list, and I should have. I, that was an oversight. Thank you for pointing that out, because that's one of the best ones. Yes?
1: Uh, I just had a comment when whoever read, I guess it was Dale, read that uh, Mark uh, 12, 1240 40. Yeah. about the widow's. You know, those who devour the widows' houses and for their appearances' sake, yeah. all, all the long prayers. I don't know if this is relevant, but I thought about how, you know, in the Catholic faith, belief, you know, when somebody dies, the, you know, they they get the money from the people to offer up. Oh, that baskets. the
0: indulgences and stuff?
1: Is that, is that kind of
0: the same? Yeah, that, that would certainly be a, a, a good uh, illustration of what not to do. Um, remember, did you, Luther's first, the first thing that... Luther saw, she was asking about uh, indulgences and stuff and and taking money from people in order to try to get their better status. For the the sake of who died and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Luther, that was the indulgences and Luther, that's what caused him to um, start seeing that there was something seriously wrong. What about the blows? Um, Well, we know what's in there. Does anybody happen to have a computer? One, then you can search for it. Okay, let's go on and find others. And we should have a contest. If I had something to give away for an award, I'd give it to the person who finds that verse. You find it, Troy? No. Okay. Okay. You want to? Okay. Go ahead. I think the more I mature in the faith, the more I realize this verse applies: is that things that are eternal are what count the most, not things in this earth, what we can do for ourselves, but what we can do to affect the kingdom of God by helping our brothers and leading Amen. brothers to Christ and helping them mature too. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right, Troy. And it's hard to know that uh, without looking through the eyes of faith. you got to look at life through the eyes of faith. It's hard to know that eternity is, is way more important than what we're getting out of this world now. Okay. But it's true. And, and Jesus said it in every different way it can be said. But how easy it gets, escapes us. And how easy we start thinking about status or money or accolades uh, or uh, how we keep score, you know. It seems like everybody wants to keep score, whether it's businessmen or, or preachers or, or whatever. You know, how much better did I do than everybody else? It's, 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 it's worth nothing. It's absolutely worth nothing. But being faithful to the Lord is worth everything. Gretchen. Uh, I might have found that passage.
1: It doesn't say blows, but in Matthew, uh, Matthew 18, 34, um, uh, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. This is after the guy The, the was,
0: young forgiven. Yeah, the, the guy and, that... Yeah, but there's only one guy there. There's another one where there's like three, and they get different punishment. But that's a good one. No, that's a good one. It's, it's the same. Yes, do you find it? Okay, there we go. Luke twelve forty-seven.
1: And the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready, or act in accord with his will, will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few.
0: Okay, that's, that's it, that's it. Okay, we, we just heard Luke 12:47. Now, in that case, there was a distinction. There's the one who knew what he should do and didn't do it, and the other one who didn't know but did things that were bad too. So the one who knew gets more floggings than the one who didn't. <laughs> uh, that, that's true oh, oh it's right uh, so the fact is that um, the more we know the more accountable we are okay now so does that mean the best thing to do is plug your ears and go right away so you won't be accountable <laughs> make sure you never hear the gospel because it won't be so bad in hell if you never heard it no that, that's not the point the point is we need to serve the Lord the way he has revealed that we should serve him now um, let's look at another pa- let's, this one we're going to do all together I'll read it and let's all turn there together the passage we're going to turn to is 1 Corinthians 3 10 through 15 1 Corinthians 3 10 through 15 and now let's turn our gaze upon the idea of the judgment seat of Christ that's our topic and what does it mean that there are degrees of reward for Christians I, do, I believe that Christians are are rewarded, but there's degrees of reward. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10. Now remember, Paul who wrote 2 Corinthians that we're studying now, 5 and verse 10, previously had written this to them, so they knew this material. Here's what it says. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and one, another is building about it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. Right? For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So, the foundation of Christ Jesus is true for every Christian. Right? Everybody who is born again is building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Without distinction, 100%. You, you have to be on that foundation if you're a Christian. 100%. Everybody. Now, now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident for the day. Okay? The day is terminology used often in the New Testament for future judgment. The day. All right? So the day will show it because it is has be revealed with fire. By the way, this is the proof text that Catholics use for purgatory. You literally have to go there and be burnt for however long until somebody gets you out of there. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as through fire. All right? So I have to conclude that that's another description of the judgment seat of Christ's judgment, because it's applied to Christians. Okay? Let's ask ourselves a question. How could we possibly know we're building with with gold and precious stones and silver? How could we know? What do you think? The Bible, right? Don't we have to have an objective standard to show what God approves of? Okay? And so we are to Uh, search the scriptures. We're trying to understand what the will of God is. For example, think of uh, Romans 12. It talks about... um, In fact, let's turn there. Romans 12. How do we know we're building with gold? Well, we need to be people that are hungry to know the truth and what it is that God approves of and what it is God disapproves of and seek Him for grace that we might live lives that would be more pleasing to the Lord. That's what it says, trying to know what pleases the Lord. We should care. Back to that thing I was mentioning earlier. Not to pick on anybody in in particular, but across the board. After I was studying this material yesterday afternoon, I came back from a conference to get Sunday school ready because I've kind of got my load levels kind of up here right now. So... um, I pulled up that audio again of a fellow who was being kicked out of his church and listened to it. And what grieved my heart, I mentioned this in earlier Sunday school, what grieved my heart was that the pastor and elders just would not even allow him to tell them biblical reasons why he wanted to do what he wanted. What it was about was this man wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to head out tracts at an outreach He wanted to share his testimony and he wanted to talk to people one-on-one about the gospel. And the the leadership of the church said that if he kept doing that, they were going to disfellowship him and ban him from the church. And they were saying that they loved the Lord and they loved the gospel. But they would not allow him because what he was doing was preaching the law and the gospel. And he he was warning people about hell and telling them about the gospel and the only way and the law of God and so on. So anyhow, but here's the thing that was the, the most alarming of that entire thing because I heard it again and it, it just breaks my heart. The alarming thing was the leadership did not care. He says, and they were saying to him, are you going to walk with us? Are you going to do what we want you to do? And he says, I cannot change unless I'm convinced by Scripture and plain reason. He used Luther's defense. He's, you show me from Scripture and, print and plain reason that it's wrong for me to tell people that if they don't turn to Jesus Christ, they're lost. And that it's wrong for me to show people from the law of God that the penalty of sin is death and that therefore they need a Savior. Show me from Scripture and plain reason and I will, and if you can, then I have to submit to that. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to go there. That's not what this meeting's about. And so, the, the, the dear ones... The most dangerous attitude a Christian can have is an i don't care attitude about the Bible. Are you following me? Is it, can you see why that would that's just playing into the hands of the devil because the whole of spiritual warfare is the truth versus the lie that's what it says in thessalonians there's two messages in the world if you you make it real simple, boil up. Everything being said in the entire world about religion down to two messages. One is called the lie. What is the lie? I'll give you a hint. It got started in the garden. Yeah. Hath God said. That's, that's questioning whether we can know the Bible. But then he says, you shall not die. You can safely. Satan told Eve that she could question God's Word, rebel against God's Word, and not be punished. You won't die. So the lie is telling us that we don't have to listen to God about the means of salvation and the means of serving Him. Hath God said. You don't have to listen to lies. You don't have to listen to God. All paths lead to God. You're not going to die. You're going to ascend to Godhood. You're going to find a better life. And so all the world religions are teaching works and teaching paths to God And the lie is being uh, explained by Satan to anybody that will listen to him. The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is that God is true and that those who have sinned will die and that they need a Savior. They need a blood atonement because God in the garden provided these animal skins. So we need a blood atonement to cover our sins or we shall surely die for all eternity. So it all boils down to that. Now, since the the, the spiritual warfare is the truth versus the lie, and the truth is contained in here, this is what God has said. Everything from Genesis to Revelation, God said, right? And so if that's the basis for judgment, Jesus said the words that I speak will be your judge on the last day, the authoritative words of God, then is there anything more important than for us to know what God said and... Take action accordingly. I don't think there's anything more important. And there's no other way we can know that we're pleasing God. Now, in, back to Romans 12, that I never quite got to. Romans 12, after all of the teaching on justification by faith, 11 chapters on justification by faith, <coughs> or sin. Well actually the first three are about our sin nature, and then justification by faith. Here's what Paul says as a consequence of being justified. Romans 12. I urge you, therefore, verse 1, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be... Conf- by the w- way, the word spiritual there, I think, is uh, logical. It's a word where we get our word logical, jizomai, or something like that. Uh, Dick, do you remember that? We did it on the radio. That's, I think that's what it said. Yeah, so a spiritual, I would, uh, I would think, um, should be trans. Uh, translated reasonable or rational. The New King James got it right again. It does a lot. That's a good translation. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is. Now, that word prove, uh, I'm going from memory here, but I think it's dokimazo. And it means to put to the test to see if something's genuine. This is not a mystical thing, it's a rational thing. So, taking the Scriptures, how are Scriptures applied into our lives? Well, there's a reason why Paul in this section uses these objective words from the Greek, like logizomai, reasonable, and dokimazo, put to the test, is that it's through human language that God has spoke to us, right? Hath God said, yes, he has. And and it's through our uh, rational faculties that humans can understand language and understand meaning, and therefore, having understood language and meaning, can understand what action is being required and and put it to action. That's the only way we can do it. You can't get this, you can't do this by uh, dimming the lights, lighting the candles, burning the incense, and sitting in front of an icon. You'll never know what's pleasing to God that way. Because there's no communication. You don't, you don't know anything. But you, you study the Bible, and then you understand that you may prove what the will of God is. So that means to of all the options out there, you can put those options to the test. And putting them to the biblical test, you can know what God approves of. And present yourself God as a reasonable service to, to live according to the plan that he's revealed in the Bible. Okay. Uh, over here. I was
1: just thinking about Dr. Barnhouse's book. I can't remember if have had it forever. But he wrote something that I'll never forget. He says Satan is
0: the most religious person. There he is. Satan is the most religious person. Yeah,
1: he likes the, all the deeds, <laughs> the things that you do with a religion, but it's a relationship with Christ that's yeah. important.
0: Amen. Now, um, so it says, so you may prove what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, perfect. All three of those modify the one uh, noun, the will of God. It's not three wills of God, it's one will of God. And the will of God that's being spoken of here is the moral will of God, the revealed will of God, not the providential will, because that is only known as history unfolds. So we have to, um, back to that passage, don't be many teachers because you'll receive stricter judgment. Why? Because the teacher is responsible for the well-being of many people. The teacher is responsible for what, he teaches the Lord's flock because they're relying on that teacher to help them prove what the will of God is. All right. And so the person who's saying, well, I'm a religious teacher, so I'm going to tell you how to, how to get close to God, and they say, I think I would start by walking a labyrinth, <laughs> is going to incur stricter Jesuits. Because it's not revealed in Scripture that the labyrinth gets you closer to God. Oh, uh, Roger? You were talking about the world telling the big lie. And you, you go. To to all that. The, the world has a great spokesman because you just said that I believe that Muslims, Christians, and, and Jews all pray to the same God. And all the great major religions, they just have a different way of reaching it. Who said that? President Bush. Oh, I know. Isn't that the most disappointing thing that's ever happened? In his. He said that Bush just said all the religions are playing to the same God. Did you see that in the news? What? It's impo- That's impo- That's logically impossible. You know why it's logically impossible? Because if definitions mean anything, or words mean anything, let's just take let's let's take um, a Hindu. Let's take Hindu monism. Monism teaches that God is everything. And that all the problems, uh, evil is an illusion. Categories are all illusions, and that the good that, that, that we're going through through the process of reincarnation is to ultimately get back so that there's only one uh, uh, being in the universe that has consciousness, and that's God. So ultimately, in the Buddhist, or I mean, in the Hindu scheme of things, the individual soul will not exist when good comes back and everything becomes God again and there's not all these other consciences consciences and personal uh, identities in the universe. Now, okay, so a God who didn't create the world out of nothing, but the world just became insanity in the mind of God, which is what Tantric Buddhism says, Um, and uh, a God who existed from all eternity, who created the world out of nothing... Who is transcendent to his own creation, who is not a captive of his own creation, who is not implicated in evil in any manner whatsoever, and who is a God who speaks authoritatively through his own chosen prophets, who spoke in the fathers, in uh, the prophets in many portions of many ways, who have spoken to us in these last days by his Son, who he made heir of the world, is not the same as the God of of. Uh, uh, hinduism because we don't believe in monism we don't believe that the universe is just part of god but that the universe is distinct from god and created by god those two cannot be the same and so if somebody's praying to uh let's say a mormon god who used to be a man he's not praying to the god of the bible he's praying to allah he's not praying to the god of the bible right so that's a big lie of satan Um, Okay, degrees of punishment. So we're saying that we must, as Christians, live pleasing to the Lord because we will appear before this Bema judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, recompense for deeds, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, in the body. Now, this is confirmed in many different passages um, that we can turn to. There's one, I don't see it on my cross-references, but it's in my mind. So let's turn to Romans chapter 2. And it shows two different ways of li- living, right, in Romans 2. Ryan, we're talking about uh, the fact that there's degrees of punishment and degrees of reward. And one, one happens at the great white throne judgment and the other at Christ's judgment seat. Okay, Romans 2. Verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. Now, the word storing up is a word that would apply to putting something in the bank at interest. Okay? How many of you know that wrath is not something you want to earn interest on? (laughs) (laughs) Usually, uh, compounded interest is a good thing, but that's, that's not what you want. Okay? Okay, so, um, and the revelation of the righteous judgment, judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Okay, so then it says, now look at this, verse 7, those who by persevering in doing good seek for glory and honor, immortality, and eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, notice the truth is used as a, synonymously for the gospel, the term the truth, Because in Romans 1, 5, it said that Paul's ministry was to bring about the obedience of faith amongst the Gentiles, obedience to the gospel. And it also talks elsewhere where people who don't obey the gospel, synonymous, okay? So those who are selfishly ambitious do not obey the truth, that obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. So... Uh, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to every man who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, is Paul teaching salvation by works? No. Read the whole book. Romans three, he talks about propitiation, the blood atonement. But doing good is begins by obeying the gospel. Okay, so that we are able to walk by faith. As we see later in Romans 14, it says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so in order to walk by faith, you have to obey the gospel. But then it does matter how you live as a Christian. Any questions about that? Because can you imagine if this wasn't the case, what it would be like? There are people that teach that, by the way. That The only thing that matters is mental assent, and then how you live is optional, but they, they would even they would affirm that there's reward for doing good so I'll try can you give examples uh, specifically pertaining to preacher, modern day preachers and evangelists how their works are being burned up, although they may be believers, the methods they are using, and that sort of thing. okay, so you want to know about preachers preachers, teachers, and well yeah well they're, yeah there's Okay, this topic came up, and I won't name a name, but a local fellow here was a famous preacher, built up a huge church. He actually taught the truth. He taught the truth. Uh, I don't think he was accused of doctrinal error, but he got caught committing adultery. Well, anybody can fall, God forbid, but it does happen. But instead of repenting, He divorced his wife and ran off with the lady he was committing adultery with. Now, what do do I make of that? Well, see, because we can't see the heart, we don't know. Sometimes there are people who grew up in Christian homes like third generation and were trained very, very well and very, very accurately that know, know the Bible in their mind and know what the truth is and are able to defend it who aren't really regenerate. And so then they end up not having fruit. That's possible. And it's also possible that he's one of these guys who everything's going to be burned up, except for the, but be saved as by fire. But um, how should we look at that? That's not a good idea. <laughs> 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 I, was tr- I was strictly recommend not, uh, I mean, because I don't, we shouldn't, here's what I want to say again. What if somebody's tempted to do that? Let's just say somebody's Thinking, you know, I'm tired of being married to the same person, and that that looks more interesting, and I met somebody I like better. And they're thinking, okay, my works are burned up, but I'll go to heaven. I can live with that. Now, you know what what I would say? That's a sign of somebody who's not saved. That's how the unregenerate think. The truly regenerate have the Holy Spirit, and and they may fail, but their desire is not to fail. And if they do fail, they feel remorse. Yeah, and they feel like, I've brought shame to Christ. They're like the prodigal, I'm not worthy to be your son. But if you're saying, well, I'm going to go do what I want to do just because I want to, and I think I'll be okay because it'll, that's not very bad. Okay, uh, Tom, for Tom. <laughs>
1: Refrain from using. I had kind of like a, a uh, an example like you were talking about. In, in some respects, there's a talk show host here in the Twin Cities, who's Jewish, and every chance that I've heard where he has the opportunity to defend born again Christians, and he knows the truth, and he has even almost given the gospel. You know, when he is in defense of born again Christians. Uh, but he doesn't embrace he, it himself. He's Jewish,
0: and he teaches the, the Old Testament. Uh, where where uh, does he stand? Well, there's people like that. There was, this, uh, there was um, Pincus Lapid. Pincus Lapid studied and studied and studied to determine that Jesus really was raised from the dead. But then he didn't convert to, to Christianity because he said that Jesus is just for the Gentiles. So it takes it takes more than knowledge to be saved. It takes faith, right? It takes trust and faith. Okay. So what have we learned? <laughs> we learned that we should live lives pleasing to the Lord, and that it's our ambition to do so. Verse nine, and the reason our ambition to be pleasing to the Lord is that we know we'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I think that for every one of us, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It should be a sign of regeneration that you would wish to build with gold and silver and precious stones. And the worst thing possible is to look at that and say, you know what, I don't mind having uh, straw and, and wood and stubble for a home because I, I really don't want to be trying to please God. I just want to live my own way. That's bad. And that should be, make us nervous to even think about. Are you, are you following me? It's like, oh, no, no. We can't even think that way. The whole point of this is to avoid having all our works burnt up. Okay? And one more thing as we close. I've got to say one more thing. I've read some. I've, I've got three really good commentaries on Second Corinthians now that I'm reading. So it's taking me longer to get ready, but... It's worth it because of the learning process. But several of them pointed something out, that in context, what Paul's talking about is the integrity of the gospel. Remember, Paul was talking about his message and the gospel and not adulterating the word of God and and, and living what he preached and all those things that he was saying about himself, and that... He, he wanted to live openly and with a good conscience before God. So what, what the implication is that the most important way to live pleasing to God is to be centered about the gospel and to, and to accurately teach and practice the word of God, not adulterating the word of God, because that's what Paul has been talking about for several chapters, the integrity of the gospel and the integrity of the word of God. So the implication is the Christian who doesn't want to suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ and have his works burned up, would be one who has great integrity regarding the Gospel and the Word of God and all the teachings therein. So therefore, we... That Back to the email from the pastor. He asked, how can this be? And I think I said in my response, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't claim to ever know the heart. But why is our evangelical movement... Uh, running away from the gospel. And why is the evangelical movement running against the clear teaching of the Bible? I, one of the things that happens is that a movement is end up run, run by the grandchildren of its founders. And when people are converted off the street, like Billy Sunday or somebody, they are full of zeal and they're often the founders of movements. Okay? The first generation. And it was pretty clear why they were Christian. But sometimes our success at replicating ourselves becomes a problem later. In other words, we build a well-oiled machine. We build great ed- educational institutions. We become very good at making sure our children stay in the fold, at least externally. Right? And I'm not saying it's wrong to do this. Anybody is going to do this. And then they grow up and they learn all the things they're supposed to learn and they, know, they learn how to run it and they learn how to, to occupy positions within the, the hierarchy of the denomination. And they have children and they grow up and they're trained. And pretty soon you've got three or four generations and you have people, what, we are, what we're able to create is people that really look like Christians. Okay? Who may not be regenerate. And they end up in all the positions of power. And that's what happened to modernists. After so many generations of that, eventually they just said, okay, we're just going to come out and say we don't believe in the resurrection. But how can people be in this position and literally say, don't come to me and tell me what the Bible says. I don't want to hear it. Yes, Sonia.
1: It just makes me think about um, 1 John chapter 2, and this is offensive to to people who... <laughs> Who don't like what you're saying. Okay. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps His word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says He abides in Him ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked.
0: Okay. Amen. Keep His word. Keep His commandments. So, may God help us because... uh, we live in the same world with all the same temptations and all the same deceptions as everybody else. And anybody who thinks he stands, including me, should take heed lest he fall. So pray for each other. Pray for me. Pray for the elders. Pray for the church. That God would not allow us to stray from what he says. That's the that you have the pli, application has to be to us, not to them. Because they're not in Sunday school. <laughs> We're in Sunday school, and so we need to realize we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, okay, um, if you get help with the chairs, then we'll have a time of fellowship and then is church.